you find yourself with the same incurable curiosity as us, this is a place for you. This is Spiritual Smorgasbord with Cheyenne and Desiree. Hey, Cheyenne. How's your day? My day's amazing. How's your day? It's going really good. Um, Did you see that blood moon last night? You know, I've seen lots of pictures of it, but I didn't actually go outside and physically look at it. Okay, well, I did. That's amazing. I'm Um, proud of you. Yeah, I did. I got pictures of it. Um, Tegan was at my house last night. Yeah. And um, she was giving me all like you know, it peaks at 11.11, which I thought was, you know, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, so we stood out there from the moment we finally found it at my house and, like, watched it ascend uh-huh. to its peak at 11.11 and yeah. took different pictures of it. And as I'm standing there and we're just staring at the moon, it's so beautiful, um, she lets me know that this hasn't happened in 260 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So never going to happen again. Like I'm never going to see it again. And it happened at 11, 11, super big. What a magical night. So yeah, that was really pretty. Um, I enjoyed that. If anybody else saw that, I bet you thought that that was cool. Yeah. Um, another thing I did today that put me in a really good mood. I had some extra time away from the family. So I went to the keeper of the planes and just took a nice little walk and, such a magical place to be yeah i just really took it in i still like listening to nature but i put like one earbud in mm-hmm. and i actually turned on a song from goose it's called born mm-hmm. and um oh my gosh i just like floated etherically around this place just like mm-hmm. really taking in the history and the magic of the location and i started taking pictures which i always take pictures there even though i live here and i go there mm-hmm. but every picture every visit's different every angle mm-hmm. um so i took some pictures and decided you know besides just like telling people about all the stuff that i love i'm really going to start um uploading on our not just our facebook but our instagram and possibly our tiktok when i get more invested into that um parts of wichita and the surrounding areas that i really really enjoy mm-hmm. um i love showing people stuff that I love mm-hmm. not from a influencer branding um we are supported by stuff right I just mean like this shit just makes me feel alive yeah. and this is what I want to like throw out into the world and yeah put those good vibes out um so I want to show people that are listening to all these places that we talk about like on our on our social media and yeah. I took some really good photos at the keeper of the planes that's awesome. I also just got a new phone, so I'm obsessed with my camera. <laughs> You're like, this camera's awesome. I have to take more pictures. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I I love it. I know that you obviously love that area, too. You oh, took yeah. me to King of the Keeper of the Plains when they do, like, the Ring of Fire. Yeah, like when we did the retreat a few years ago. Yeah. Like, we, the whole group went to the Keeper of the Plains because mm-hmm. it's just a magical place. I oh, love it. super magical. I do love it. I was over by the Keeper of the Plains just this week, actually, going over to Leaf and Stone. <gasps> James and Jeff are amazing. Oh my God. They're the most amazing humans ever. I had to get some of the raw cosmos. Have you tried that? It's that mushroom stuff that you put in like your coffee or or milk or whatever. I've tested it at like any of the shows that I've seen them out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm so into buying all of their like 
spritzers and their mm-hmm. magnesium oil. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about the raw cosmos before. Well, so it's, it, it, it's, I mean, to me, in, when you put it in coffee, I don't think you really taste it, but in like milk or whatever, it's, it's really, it's good, but it's just really healthy. If you've had, know anything about mushrooms at all, it's like, just do it, you know, yeah. just take them just take because it. they're really, really good for you, but they, they have sugar free and then regular, um, sweetened but even the sugar-free has like stevia and and that and the monk fruit in it you know so it kind of mm-hmm. sweetens it i know it flies off the shelf every time i go yeah. in there i ask them about their golden milk too the golden milk yeah and you yeah. can use that like at, a, at night and like kind of like a heated in mm-hmm. like some kefir milk and stuff and that's like a little treat but then also i usually get like the mycoprana with it which um but they were out because like it you they can't even keep that stuff in stock so i have to go back next week Poor me. Poor me. <laughs> right. To Every get time I go in there, I go for like one thing. Cause I, so I use their rose water and glycerin and they all have names like beautiful I grounding. Like they have affirmations on all the bottles. Yeah. The bottles are just beautiful themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time I go in there, I'm like, okay, I need to go get some more rose water because I'm almost out. And mm-hmm. it's it's an overlapping product with all of their stuff. I do not let it run out. Right. So I went over there and I walked in and Jeff goes, hey, we got more crystals. And I was like, <laughs> oh, come on, dude. He's like, every time you're in here, you buy like my raw rose quartz. Well, have you seen the books that the, they have like a local book binder that books um, that has blank journals that they bind and put in there? Now. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, um, those are cool. So each time I go in there they are hosting like another local artist in their store Mm -hmm. and every time I go in there they show me Jeff also makes like amazing jewelry Mm -hmm. and he's gonna start getting back into it and doing it more um but yeah so their magnesium oil is amazing yeah you use that a lot spray yeah um so magnesium and zinc are two things that women alone are just always absolutely super like low on. Mm-hmm. Um, so Everyone I really. use that obsessively. Mm-hmm. Women specifically for um, like their lunar cycles yeah. is why I wanted to bring it up because oh, it speaking helps. of lunars, well, it right, helps blood with moon. like um, what am I trying to say? Like cramping and all of that. Yeah. Like if you get that in, so um, yeah. that helps me a lot. Puts it on my body, makes me feel good. I use their aromatherapy spritzers. I put the rose water in my hair, on my face, all of the other spritzers. Like I literally put them all on my body. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I like, they have organic witch hazel and mm-hmm. these really cool like dark glass bottles. Mm-hmm. I really, really like those. Honestly, there's nothing in that store <laughs> that you you don't want to buy. Yeah. So you just have to make sure like when I go there, you're like, budget <laughs> yeah well not budget but like buy the thing that you meant to and then yeah. know that you're gonna spend more right like you're if you go in for two things you're leaving with five because right. they have the best crystal the best crystals like sourced and priced i would mm-hmm. say like their prices are amazing they host um workshops they're heavily invested into the community and all of the the fairs and vending and all of that and they really just want to like be good and make a difference Mm -hmm. and they are 100% authentic apothecary yeah I know apothecary is kind of being thrown around willy-nilly for a lot of shops popping up and like no offense to anybody but like I love walking in and seeing them and like coming from around like in the back room with their apron on and being like hey what can I get you they're making (laughs) stuff (laughs) they're making it right there um but on top of that they're supremely educated so if you walk walk in and you're like I have this going on like they know what to do for you Mm -hmm. and the best part is they also have an online store yeah um so they can ship um I think U.S. and Canada right now 
Um, I know that they want to eventually switch it to international, but obviously we understand how crazy shipping is right now. Yeah. So Leaf and Stone Apothecary uh, in Wichita, Kansas. It's in Riverside if you want to come visit us. The store's amazing, by the way. Yeah. Jeff built all of the shelves Mm -hmm. to make it look like they've been there like the whole time Mm -hmm. because riverside is a very very historical place yeah and there's a cute little coffee shop around the corner it's just a fun little place to be sweet little place to visit but if you want to check them out they're on leaf and stone apothecary on facebook and then they also have an online website through their facebook um i'm pushing their facebook to you if you're interested because they do host and a wide variety of classes um, so go check them out. Those are our friends that we love. We love, love, love to share and talk about. We'll be talking about them later. But um, this episode. Yeah, today. <laughs> that was a long intro for what we're talking about today. We went on a little bit of a tree branch there. <laughs> I can't help it. If I'm going to talk about my boys, I'm going to let everybody know what I get from them. Yeah. Because they're like my main, they're my main plug. They got everything. That's okay. Unexpected tree branches is what we're all about. Yeah. If you don't know that by now, what are you doing on season three? <laughs> What's going on? So, yeah, we're following up on uh, Mr. Vinny Bag of Donuts today with... Um, his his interesting topics. You know, what I really loved um, that he brought to the show was um, the book, The Immortality Key, something I hadn't heard about. And while the, it did focus on, um, you know, the mushrooms and the psychedelics and that kind of thing, um, it also, which I know that you want to talk about a little bit because, you know, you pull you want to pull that apart. Yes. 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 Um what I really wanted to pull apart was the di- the Dionysus because I was kind of shocked um in a little bit of that turning in or you know the theory the philosophy that possibly that could be Jesus. And so I wanted to research and go down that rabbit hole a little bit. So who wants to start you or me? I'm going to let you start okay. um, because my stuff is not on this topic at all. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I think that you should definitely go first with what we're okay. pulling apart from Vinny's episode. Okay. So um, just looking at the immortality key a little bit, um, just focusing on the book itself. Um, it's so basically the book is, um, you know, of course, looking at the um, the Eucharist, which is, the ceremony of drinking, you know, the body and blood of Christ. Um, also looking at what happened to the Holy Grail. It's never been found. So what is it? Where is it? Right. And so if you ever watched the Da Vinci Code, I think it was that said that the Holy Grail was actually Jesus himself or whatever. Right. Um, and then also um, the absence of any hard data as far as the Last Supper um, you know, all of that kind of stuff and just really, um, diving in and deep diving that. So the, the author went on a 12 year journey doing a lot of archeological digs and, um, research going into the Vatican, all kinds of stuff. Um, and so I, I first started at, um, I, I'm going to not say this right. Goblia Tepe, Gobel, Gobikali. Gotta say it faster. Go bleed. Okay. Maybe not that fast. Okay, here, look at it. How's it say? It looks like Gobekli Tepe. That's it. Gobekli. Mm. Yeah, okay. It's not my word, man. It's your invisible. You line. said it. 
Yeah, that got we'll it. We'll blame it on Invisalign. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we link resources at the bottom, just yeah. in case we say it wrong. Yes. So, um, okay. So, basically, about um, it's assumed that this site, well, it's dated, I guess, um, to ten thousand BCE. Again, you guys know by now that I'm taking lots of drinks because Invisalign. <laughs> Um, if not further, in Turkey. And um, so previous to this discovery, we really had only dated our civilized selves to about four to 6,000 years. And we thought that that's when our civilization started. So this takes us back, you know, five, 6,000 years even before that. And um, this Gobliateke was originally thought it was, it's translated to Potbelly Hill, right? So they just thought it was like this hill that had um, basically just a potbelly. And um, so someone decided um, that they were going to start digging it up. And turns out to be this, you know, amazing discovery that says, you know, we actually were much more civilized many, many, many eons, well, thousands of years before we actually thought we were. And um, what's uh, kind of crazy about it is that it starts with this, uh, I guess, structural, uh, a circular structure in the center and more, like 20 different um, circle structures around it and then as it keeps going out they turn into like rectangles and it gets less and less structured as it goes out which is kind of odd you'd think it gets more and more structured but it doesn't um, so maybe um, I don't know I'm not going to make any assumptions I, I'm just anyway <laughs> um, so um, on the inside of it it has carvings of animals mostly males um, they're mostly dangerous animals um, fearful animal or you know things you should be fearful of they have a lot of phallic symbols um, they also found a lot of bones so they think that it could be for feasts or sacrifices they see they find carved skulls um, and then there's also astrological alignments um, to the dog star mostly um, of Sirius. And um, so it's theorized that it also could have been um, built around the time that they think there was a comet that hit Greenland. Um, so they think that there could be some kind of um, ice age that was ushered in around this time. But really, they just don't know. So they wonder if it could be a religious center, some kind of festivals or worship. And um, like uh, Vinny had mentioned, they did find the calcium oxalate that um, comes from creating the beer-like substance. So they do believe that it was used in ceremony. And, um, you know, we have to consider that they found Tepe, but it doesn't mean that, like, civilization started 10,000 years ago, Right. It, civilization had to be civilized for a while at this 10,000 year point BCE. So we now are like 2,000 years past BCE, right? So civil, it, we had to be civilized for a while in order to have been this civilized at that point. 
Um, which brings me to um, something that's probably a little controversial, unless you've already heard about it, um, which s- some people may have, but also there's a lot of people who may have never heard of this before. So just like we always like to do, we're getting ready to provoke your little minds a little bit and, you know, hopefully not upset anybody too much. So we're going to push our little hot pink button and play a TikTok video for you. And it's going to talk about um, some information about the Sumerian culture, a Sumerian myth of the way they believe our world started. Uh, This TikTok was also... Uh, also provided to us by natalie.soul.light on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I'll put it down below, but I just want to make sure she knows we appreciate her video. Very much. I am sure you've heard of the Garden of Eden. The inherent search for its existence has dominated the minds of many. But is it possible that the story we know is actually a complete mistranslation? If you haven't seen the works or research of Anton Parks, you're going to want to watch this. The search for something more powerful than our own current reality isn't a modern concept, but rather an ongoing search for the location of the Garden of Eden, the proverbial beginning. Sumero-Akkadian researcher and author of eight books regarding Sumerian translation, Anton Parks, believes that for hundreds of years, we have been translating these tablets wrong. Gary Zeitling who is a scientist who worked on the SETI project for many years and collaborated with NASA. He was very interested in the Sumerian translations, and he provided me with these ten tablets found at Sippar to check symbols one by one. I noticed one translation saying one thing, and the other saying sometimes the complete opposite. What Anton Parks began to translate was a completely different version of the Garden of Eden than we've heard before. Not only had the words been mistranslated, the actual location had been overlooked. If we go back to the original translation in the Sumerian tablets, it says, the men who serve the gods work for them in the garden and are treated like animals. It is a very clear and recurrent theme. In my translations, we also discovered the word Karsag, which translated to city of the gods. It's interesting that all the highest points in Turkey are named Karadog, which strangely resembles Karsag. Karadag translates to Black Mountain and also refers to the highest mountains in Turkey. The only summit with the name Karadag that is close to the Mesopotamian plain and tributary of the Tigris and only a few kilometers from the Euphrates stands 29 kilometers south of the city Sirt and 19 kilometers southwest of the city of Ur. Is this the paradise described in the Sumerian text? Is it? Oh. <laughs> so, um, sorry, I thought the, vi- I thought the video was longer. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I cut it off beforehand. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, so there are, there were 10 cuneiform tablets that, um, they translated and in the Sumerian version when the gods arrived to earth they settled on this mountain in order to create um, a colony to survive and 
So they came here because there was a war and they found shelter and they were believed to come from the Pleiades star cluster. And um, so they had a patriarchal and a matriarchal society that they um, came from. And so when they came here, um, they created new conditions for life to bloom. And uh, they had uh, actually a conference of gods that... um, came and seeded the earth that included Inky and Anil, which I don't know if you've heard, if you've heard of them, but that was all part of it. And um, so that kind of was um, also included in that TikTok um, describing it. And that um, video that um, that creator shared was from um, Gaia, from Ancient Civilizations. Oh, good to know. That is such a great show. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I thought I'd cover a little bit about the Sumerian creation myth itself, because what I thought was really interesting um, was when I went and looked at the Sumerian creation myth. And what I think is funny is um, a lot of creation stories sound a lot like the story of creation that we get from the Bible. But the Bible is the only one that's considered true, and all of the other creation stories are considered myths. And I just thought that was interesting. It is interesting, and when you say this one's considered true, I I think of this one's bullied true. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, you mm-hmm. have people that, you know, really defend that book to no end, that there is like nothing else that can bring you spiritual evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bring that up not to piss anybody off. I bring it up just cause it's a fear mongering tactic. Like if you felt unconditional love, you understand that making somebody fearful of a choice, mm-hmm. um, isn't really God's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and I would imagine at some point before Christianity was the most accepted religion, I guess that we're familiar with because maybe, you know, if you go somewhere else, Christianity isn't the most accepted religion, then it may not be the same case, but, um, there may be some other thing that's considered true and Christianity is a myth. I don't know. That's not the world that I live in. So it could be different. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's all a big melting pot at the end of the day. Yeah. You know? So, um, so talking about the Sumerian myth, um, The origins of human being, according to ancient Sumerian texts, um, Sumer, or the land of the civilized kings, um, flourished in Mesopotamia, which is now the modern day Iraq, around 4500 BC. Um, Sumerians created an advanced civilization with its own system of languages and writing, um, architecture, arts, astronomy, mathematics. Uh, Their religious system was complex and compromised of hundreds of gods. And according to the ancient texts, each Sumerian city was guarded by its own god. And while humans and gods used to live together, the humans were servants of the gods. The Sumerian creation myth um, can be found on the tablets of Nippur. And in ancient uh, Mesopotamian city, um, it was founded approximately 5000 B.C., And according to these tablets, um, it begins like this. When in the height, heaven was not named, and earth beneath did not yet bear a name. Sound familiar? And the primeval Apsu, who begat them, and Chaos Tamat, the mother of them both, 
Their waters were mingled together and no field was formed. No marsh was to be seen. When the gods none had been called into being and none bore a name and no deities were ordained, then were created the gods in the midst of heaven. Lamu Lamu were called into being. Sumerian mythology calls that in the beginning. It sounds a lot like Genesis. It does. And I've, I've uh, done my own research on these specific tablets that you're talking about. So I'm mm-hmm. trying so hard to not come in with a tree branch of all the stuff that I like tree learned branch, from man. Gaia. Yeah. No, I can't. It's, it's one of the first things that I actually came across um, when I think Andy and I started going down like our, our stuff at work. He yeah. would be like, have you heard about this? I'm like, yeah. It's the first time this? I've heard yeah. of it. Um, yeah, well, just how, um, what are the brothers' names again? Oh, Anil and Enki? Inky? Yeah, in. Yeah, um, so there's different ways that people talk about it, but the one that I remember the most is basically, like, one is the spirit god and one is the, um, like, physical god. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, like, a different story where basically, like, the physical god imprisoned the spirit god in some dimension, some frequency, and pretended that he was the spirit god. Mm-hmm. So there was a story... Um, very controversial to anybody's Christian beliefs that um, the God that Christians pray to that believe that is the creator and all being is actually this physical God that's actually enslaved the true spirit God who wants humanity to be conscious to, you know, be self-sustaining and not like a slave race. Mm -hmm. So um, that was the first time that I actually um, contradicted the word God because that's when I really started looking into who is God to me? Who am I actually praying to? um, Like, what's the real story of God and creator? Mm -hmm. And I mean, ultimately, like, spoiler alert, I go back to just like the frequency of unconditional love. And I mean, like, I understand that we're just like really thick, dense physical matter. But at the end of the day, like we're still energy. Mm -hmm. So I really um, make sure now when I say God and creator and spirit and all of that fun stuff that I'm like picturing unconditional light. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because at the end of the day, like, I don't think anybody really, really knows the truth, but you can know the feeling of God, just like, you know, the feeling of love. Um, And I know you can't physically touch it, but this is one of the origin stories of like my core beliefs and me really, really questioning like who God is to me. And again, like how to bridge spirit and science so I can figure out how to be the best version of myself and how to survive my 3d experience. Yeah, for sure. So it says that uh, when they came to earth, there was much work to be done. And these gods toiled in the soil, digging and making it habitable and mining its min- mis- miserables, <laughs> mining its minerals. <laughs> um, and that the it mentions that at some point the gods um, mutinied against their labor and that they, uh, when the gods like men bore the work and suffered the toil, um, the work was heavy and the t- distress was much. Anu, the god of gods, agreed that their labor was too great, 
and his son Inki and Ea proposed to create man to bear labor. And so with the help of his half-sister Ninki, he did. A god was put to death, and his body and his blood was mixed with clay. From that material, the first human being was created. In likeness to the gods, you have slaughtered a god together with his personality. I have removed your heavy work. I have imposed your toil on man. In the clay, God and man shall be bound to unity brought together so that the end of days, the flesh and the soul watch, watch in God have ripened. The soul in a blood kinship be bound. This first man was created in Eden, a Sumerian word which means flat terrain. And in the Epic of Gilgamesh, Eden is mentioned as the Garden of the Gods and is located somewhere between Mesopotamia, between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. And the Sumerian tablet depicted Inki in the creation myth. And initially, human beings were unable to reproduce on their own, but were later modified with the help of Inki and Ninki. Um... And this was created a fully functional and independent human being. This modification was done without the approval of Inki's brother, and a conflict between the gods began. Anil became the adversary of man, and the Sumerian tablet mentions that men served gods and went through much hardship and suffering. Adapa, with the help of Inki, ascended to a knee anew, where he failed to answer the question about the bread and water of life. Opinions vary on the similarities between this creation story and the biblical story of Adam and Eve. Um, let's see here. Basically, that's, that's all uh, that part wrote. But I did find it really curious because there are a lot of similarities between creation and Adam and Eve and, um, you know, just why man was created, how man was created. Yeah. Like what, when you're like, what's my purpose here? And then you go back and this tells you you're basically a slave race for mining gold for aliens. <laughs> right. Like, well, and no, and I the don't fact really want to believe that, that like, um, you know, I mean, human ego, I, we I'm weren't allowed for. to reproduce. And then like, we were allowed to reproduce, but then there was like this, this like, then it was going to have to be laborious and like, you know, there's just like all these things that, that are just, you know, made from his image and in the Garden of Eden, in the Sumerian text, they call it Eden, you know, and there's just. So are you going to bring up who the snake is in the Sumerian text? Uh, it doesn't talk about it here. Can I talk about it? Yeah, go. So according to this story, um, the snake is the spiritual brother mm -hmm. who wants to free us from being a slave race right and um just like when eve bites in the apple the apple of eden is a representation of knowledge and the flowering of human consciousness in my opinion mm -hmm. um but in this story it states that the snake is actually the brother coming to um give them information on woodworking tools so they can harvest their own lumber sh um, shelter themselves and start building and planting um so that was another it, it really messed me because Genesis was one of my favorite things in the Bible. It was my joke that it was the beginning too. So when people were like, what's your favorite 
quote this in the Bible. I'm like, Genesis. And mm-hmm. they would just like, look at me. <laughs> I'm like, seriously, the story of creation is awesome. Yeah. Um, but when I got into this research and I found out that like the snake is not someone evil, the snake is coming in to free us. Mm-hmm. Um, the snake also um, being a reference of Kundalini energy coiled up is also the correlation that I made like mm-hmm. in my own belief system and what like if if we've been taught like the whole time that like Eve basically damned us and the snake is horrible and then you go to find out that Eve just wanted knowledge mm-hmm. and was listening to the guidance to free herself from this mm-hmm. um I like that version better yeah it makes a lot of sense and it ties in with a lot of the things that we're dealing with today which is the suppression of information it's mm-hmm. just um right in your fucking face right yeah, it's who the person who controls the information controls the world. Yeah, rewriting history, yeah. Um, banning people on platforms because mm-hmm. according to them, it's against community guidelines. Like yeah. there's so many different forms of suppression and we're literally um, talking about ancient information <laughs> suppression. Right. <laughs> so everything cycles, right? Yeah, there just wasn't Twitter. Um, yeah, and so... Uh, one of the parts um, in that TikTok, it talked about um, a location. So it said that a uh, car dog close to Mesopotamia, plain, sorry, my notes uh, were not typed well, uh, a tributary of Tigris and Euphrates, 29 kilometers south of a particular city, 19 kilometers southwest of Ur, a location of Garden of Eden on Highway 5651. And then in this um, Sumerian text, it also said um, that this Garden of Eden was located in that same spot, right? So um, the translator of these Sumerian tablets believes that they have found this location of the Garden of Eden, um, but they're not able to no one really is able to go and look for it because in this particular region of Turkey, um, there's a huge amount of political unrest and it's not safe for anyone to go there and do any kind of um, looking or research or um, excavation of any kind. So at least not in our modern times right now nobody's going to find out if it's real Mm -hmm. or if it's if it's really where this sumerian garden of eden could have been even though they think they might know where the tablets are because they were misinterpreted and they've been reinterpreted now so who knows yeah it's like a to be continued story you're like no we have to know i know it's like it's like can we just can we get like a ceasefire of this region so we can research it (laughs) right because, yeah, um, and and maybe there's a reason, like, we can't get one because they're like, no, you don't get to find that out ever, period. Period. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, I think, um, obviously, there's a lot more there than we could even cover in a single podcast or that I could research in a single day, right? So No, but just like that, uh, you said it was ancient civilizations on Gaia? Yes, that did the TikTok. Yeah, and that, it's Sumerian. That mm-hmm. same, I was going to say, that same show covers a lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah, go watch. On Sumerian mm-hmm. texts, but also on so many different other civilizations that you're like, what the? 
is going on. Yeah. yeah. Go get Gaia. Go watch Ancient Civilizations. Which again, yeah. I'm always going to plug the episode that we talk about down below so you mm-hmm. can get to it as fast as possible if you want to go on your own rabbit holes. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I pulled out of um, the immortality key that I thought was very interesting was Dionysus, right? So the story of was Jesus Jesus or was Jesus a origin story that was made from other stories? Um, and so I, I just kind of Google searched and said, um, was there anyone else who was a crucified holy person? And what I found interesting, because I, I, that's something that I hadn't heard before, actually, Vinny's episode. I hadn't heard. I didn't know that there were other holy people that had been crucified. Um, I heard mean, there were other. You mean other stories, like basically under the narrative that like Jesus's story was is, somebody else's story. Is somebody else's story. Yes. You've never heard that before? Right. Like oh, I knew okay. there were other, like I knew there was like Muhammad and I knew there was Buddha. And, you know, I knew there were other holy people that were. But people that got like, like crucified the way that he did, you're, well, you I, did not know. I Right. I didn't okay. know that there was um, other holy people whose story could align very much to Jesus and it could have just been readapted. I hadn't heard that. Mm-hmm. So that interested me, and I was like, what else don't I know, right? And so I did a little Googling, because that's what we do. We want to know what else is out there. Because here's the thing. Um, I don't ever want to, this is probably why I turned away from, when I say religion, I, um, churches who are afraid of me finding out something, if if there's someone that says you really shouldn't know that you really shouldn't look at that you really shouldn't read that um i don't want to be part of that because if there if if someone's selling, saying to me you knowing that you touching that you looking at that you understanding that that's satan's work then what what are you scared of what are you scared of because knowledge isn't scary and if if what you're going to teach me and what you're going to have me understand and what you're going to have me believe is so delicate and so tender that me just reading something is going to make it crumble, then is it true? Because what I know is what I feel inside and what I can understand. And that only becomes stronger the more I know. And I... I don't have to believe every single word of the Bible to know that I understand Jesus or God or whatever you want to say. Now, I don't believe he sits on a cloud in the sky, but that doesn't mean I don't believe in him. So anyway. I also realize I'm programmed to say God as he. Yeah. And with my beliefs (laughs) and understanding, like balancing energies and all of that. I don't, um, I don't believe he's gendered. <laughs> yeah, like I don't believe he's gendered even though every time I'm like, God, he, this, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, that good I, point. I also don't believe that God's a man. Right. <laughs> or a woman. I, I, I mean, I think I God is an energy. I, I, yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's a 100% energy. I don't want to sit and be like it's masculine and feminine yeah. just because the duality thing. Mm-hmm. Like I just like researching um, observe, don't attach, and yeah. then... 
Um, just like being nice to people as much as I possibly can mm-hmm. in this crazy, crazy world. Yeah. And I, but I, I do believe, I, I mean, I'm comfortable with the word God. I like using the word God because it makes me comfortable. Yeah. I also, I'm also comfortable saying universe. I'm also comfortable yeah, saying Yeah, I'm comfortable spirit. saying all of them, but yeah. what I don't want, what I don't want to be is like, I don't want to meet a person that says universe. Mm-hmm. And then I say something ignorant back to them like, oh, well, I use God and it's okay that you use universe because God created the universe. Right. Because you're, um, you're separating God and the universe. Mm-hmm. And a, that's a very big misconception that I've noticed people with like religious blinders on do. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't realize how boxed in they really were until someone actually said that to me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, you're not really getting the whole interconnectedness thing. Like, <laughs> okay, like, yeah, let's move on from this. But yeah. now, like now I'm just more conscientious when I say God, like who I'm around. Yeah. Um, because I'm really good at respecting your beliefs until you don't respect mine. And then I'll just turn into a pit bull slash dictionary <laughs> slash. Yeah. Let's talk about Timothy four twelve. you know, tree branch, yeah. <laughs> tree branch. But in anyway, my point was with saying that is, um, uh, so when I look up things like who else, who else was Jesus? Who else You're was crucified? You're not scared to research. I'm not scared to research. I'm yeah. not scared to provoke myself into learning things that other people might say, oh, you shouldn't look at that, or you're a Satan worshiper. I'm not, Yeah, actually. listen to your body. I think yeah. that's the biggest message. Yeah, like, I'm curious. Everything, yeah. everything isn't for you. Like, if I like Buddha, but he doesn't really spring anything in you, mm-hmm. that's completely normal and probably as it should be, because yeah. we're completely different expressions of the same source. Right. And if, if, if you find absolutely no curiosity in looking at anything other than the Bible, that's a hundred percent one. That's okay. Yeah. Like that's you and you find your happiness there and you find fulfillment there. Do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to like wrong. crucify the Bible by any means. No, absolutely But not. I really like talking about the history and I find that people that yeah. want to guard their religion so much, like they just immediately think you're an atheist that's trying to take yeah. down the church. Yeah. I'm and like, I'm okay with talking about the fact that your religion murdered millions of people to get them to follow you. Mm-hmm. If you want to sit there and talk about your religion, I just really want you to talk about every part of it and not the only parts that look good for an ad campaign or 10% of my household income. (laughs) That's, that's all I want. I want you to be so strong and open-minded and available to be like, let's talk about the history of war parallel to your religious takeover. And, um, I'm not trying to embarrass you because we're all here for the human experience and life lessons. But if someone is willing to to have that conversation like if you have your christian belief your catholic belief all of these beliefs like this is like a call to order right now like please write in and let's have this conversation like historically and faithfully to where like you're not pissed every time i bring up the truth right there's my psa (laughs) there's there's my call to action i just i would really like to have a nice adult conversation about it because so often you get so many like walls put up where you're like, you're trying to deface my religion and my belief. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it ultimately shows an attachment. 
Yeah. Which when you think of um, speaking like new earth 5d releasing all attachments to ascend to like a higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find it weird that the thing that's supposed to bring you salvation is the thing that's attaching you to the old, old ways. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's the, at the end of the day, we are all flawed, right? He, all, all humans are flawed. Oh, absolutely. And, um, religion is a human construct. And so if religion is a human construct and all humans are flawed, then religions must be flawed too. And so religions had to have flaw currently or along the way. And so then we have to admit that they have flaws as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's, yeah, I'm not it's being not mean a, about yeah. anything that I say about it. I'm just like, yeah, I really enjoy studying the truth of it and yeah. not the PR campaign of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back to where I was going with this. Um, I found a book that um, is pretty interesting. It was actually written in 1875. So we're talking a few years back, right? Like over 100 um based on a book well most of the research came from a book that was written almost 200 years ago um so the person who wrote the book that this was based on actually died in 1833 so old old stuff okay um but this book is called the world's 16 crucified saviors did you know there were 16 crucified saviors there's well over that amount but these are written about right i know i i right. i only knew of one that's what i'm saying i knew oh one. okay that makes sense because i was like oh wait i haven't said my tree branch yet <laughs> that makes sense why you asked that question got it yeah yeah so okay so uh the book is called the world's 16 crucified saviors um it's uh christianity before christ so, um, let's see here. Uh, I'm trying to pick out the, the important parts to talk about. So, it asserts that Jesus was not an actual person, but was a creation largely based on earlier stories of deities or God-men saviors who had been crucified and descended to and ascended from the underworld. Parts were reprinted in the book Your Church Doesn't Want You to Read <laughs> by Tin Leadham in 1994 and republished in 2001. And so um, it's also uh, used as a source by Christ Myth Theory. And um, let's see here, The God Who Wasn't There. And let's see here. So, here's some of the uh, 16 crucified saviors. And I'm not going to say these names correctly. I can tell you right now, I did not look them all up to make sure I did say them correctly because, like, it's an entire list of names I can't say correctly. I'm just going to tell you. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Thelius of Egypt in 1700 B.C., Krishna of India in 1200 B.C., Krite of Kraladia in 1200 B.C., um, Atus of Phrygia, I should not even be saying these, of 1170 B.C., Thymius of Thymius <laughs> of Syria, 
um, Jesus, H-E, by the way, H-E, not J, Jesus of Eros, Bali of Orasa, Indra of Tibet, Io of Nepal, Buddha Sakya of India, Mitra of Persia, Al Alcatias of Euphrates. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know if I'm even gonna try this one. Just skip it and say there's sixteen, okay? Go read the book. Really? Well, okay, fine. But there's a there's a lot. Okay, but here's here's okay, here's what's more. There's also a list of other holy figures who took the form of man and ascended into heaven. Some of them also born of virgins. And this list, I'm just going to make a guess that there's like 25 names on it that were not on the the list of the ones who were crucified. So that's like, um, what, 30, 35 people who have very similar origin stories. And um, none of these names include the diocesis. Isn't that interesting? It's super interesting. Oh, oh, here's another thing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Before you go on to your free ranch. Okay, I was like, but. Okay, some figures had miraculous virgin births, were the sons of supreme gods, or were born on December 25th, had stars pointing to their birthplaces, were visited by shepherds and magi as infants, fled from death as children, exhibited traits of divinity in childhood, spent time in the desert, traveled as they were taught and had disciples performed miracles, were persecuted, were crucified, descended into hell after death, disappeared as resurrections or apparitions, or ascended into heaven. So, that's that. So, same birthday, same life story. So, also, like, the three kings that visit Jesus, mm -hmm. um, I was trying to look it up in time. Mm -hmm. But I I cannot type that fast. <laughs> um, but there's other stories that predate that story. Yeah. That, I mean, it literally looks like it's just been copy and pasted. Things change and all of that um, verbatim. And I wish that I could literally, like, quote where the origin. Yeah. Not the their origin story, but where people believe that it's been copied from. Right. Because, like, even the story of Moses and the story of Noah are all in... Um, ancient text, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, I just thought that that was interesting. It's Again, just, it like, is interesting. And what I think is, is like crazy is, um, you know, I've heard for many years that the Bible is um, incomplete, right? So like there's chapters that were taken out and things that were changed a little bit to fit man's agenda um, or religion's agenda so that we could have people stay in line the way that they were meant to stay in line because, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what I hadn't heard is it was a retold story, um, which I don't know. I guess that's just a new, um, you know, when you think you've heard it all <laughs> and then you find something out that you had never heard and you're like, well, gosh darn. Oh, it just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Right. So um, it's a quote that comes to my mind. Um, basically, like, the point is to always keep going and keep learning. Mm -hmm. And the moment that you quit learning and just 
go, oh, I'm full. Like that's the moment of suffering in the human being because ignorance sets in when you think that you've done enough and known enough. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a different tree branch than what I was going to. (laughs) So uh, a story of the Essenes is that these three men come from the Essenes. Um, We should do an episode on the Essenes. We really freaking should. I was just thinking that when I was saying that, Mm because I know that when I heard about the Essenes, I was like, what are you talking about? Because like, because I don't know. Jesus's mom comes from there. Yeah. um, There's apparently they're the ones who hid the Dead Sea Scrolls and were like doing all of this. Um, Mm. But basically this thing that I'm dropping for you to go do your own research is these three um, men, Magi, um, were from the Essenes because the Essenes directed them because the Essenes understood Mary and Jesus's role from not a religious Christian Jesus is the only way savior concept, mm-hmm. but from a whole like bigger consciousness perspective of why Jesus's birth needed to happen, mm-hmm. um, which is basically to help get people back on the right track mm-hmm. just like buddha muhammad and every every other like really really big ascended master is what i want to say to those who are educated on that platform yeah um so yeah between the Essenes and ascended masters i think that would be a really freaking cool episode mm-hmm. um but basically like they had knowledge from these i'm gonna say higher higher consciousness knowing more mm-hmm. of the plan plan or not plan <laughs> um but yeah, I thought that was interesting because I just want I want people to go and do their own stuff. Um, the other thing I want you to do is look like go to like Google yourself and type in like the three wise men in Zoroastrianism. Yeah, Zoroastrianism. I know I've heard that before and I know I looked it up, but I didn't like deep, deep dive. I just mm-hmm. dived. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it came to me at the end of a research bender. So it's like at the end where I stopped, like I was like. I was connecting so many dots that I'm like, I need a break. Yeah. But if you type in like Garden of Eden, Zoroastrianism, um, story of Noah, Zoroastrianism, like it'll make you think about some stuff and it will really, it will change your perspective. And when you walk out your door the next day, you're going to be thinking about shit you never even thought you'd think of, (laughs) you know? Um, So you're saying don't do it till you're ready. I'm it's saying like, it's like when do you get a, ready. When do you get a Moldavite stone? It's like, well, you wait till you're ready for Moldavite. Or your friend gifts it to you and it drops out of your bra because you Japanese weren't ready. Restaurant and it needed to go to that person. Yeah. That's that's how. That and they happens. just threw it away in the trash. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna hope the best for it. Right. Like uh, when a crystal leaves you, you respect that. Mm-hmm. You respect it. So uh, yeah, I really like what you pulled from that book. Um, I want to link him down below, sure, mm-hmm. and I'd like to buy my own copy just to add it to my my beautiful library at home. Well, I will definitely, like, audible my own copy because we both know that reading is not on my time list. Oh, I just love books, though. Yeah, I oh, I do, too. So much. I So I will auto audible it, and if I like it, I will also order a copy because you have to hold it. But yeah. yeah, I wait until I know if I'm if I audio it enough. <laughs> yeah, I always I've come across a lot of books that I found out I didn't buy for me, so I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm so I know who I'm gonna give this to. So yeah, <laughs> I just I go with that flow, and I wish I was an audible person, but I'm a podcaster when I when I drive. Yeah, on like long road trips, and then I'm a 
fuck off and let me read my book type person. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the last couple of weeks I've been trying to read like 10 pages a day of a minimum of five books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've only got like two books in or like one book in. I told you I'm still reading A New Earth again. Yeah. And I only make sure that when I'm like available. Yeah. I'm not like reading it and zoning out about something else. So mm-hmm. I actually read it out loud to myself in my house. Yeah. Um, and that one you can really do a chapter at a time and you're fine. Yeah, you really yeah. are. Um, so I'm on chapter four now mm-hmm. and I'm really excited to go back into it, but I will read it a chapter at a time and just let myself really absorb what he's telling me. And then I really challenge myself to integrate it immediately into my life. Mm-hmm. And I do that because this, so there's this thing in your brain, it's called hippocampus mm-hmm. or maybe hypocampus because the it, i think it's hippo the science hippo. community likes to hippo? just make stuff sound more complicated than it needs to be so i right. think it's hypo or hippocampus it's probably who yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um there's also a band called that but whatever um but it sits in the middle of your head and basically like uh short term long term go in there and uh-huh. then it decides what's short term and what's long term mm. So that's my fun fact of the day of me doing a little bit of brain research again. Um, I picked up my yoga certification studies again now that I know my knees fully healed. And now I think the next couple of seasons I'm just going to be like, did you know (laughs) about all this crazy shit? Speaking of crazy shit. Yeah. Um, another thing we talked about on Vinny's episode was psychedelics. Yes. And I, with full intention. Mm hmm. The fullest intention. Oh, we're getting into your part. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, was doing my research and um, I went down a completely different rabbit hole on like a psychedelic mm-hmm. clandestine type person. Yeah. Um, and story based in Kansas because we're in Wichita, Kansas. Right. And this is within a few hours of us. Yeah. Um. So we referenced that basically all of the acid and LSD in the 90s came from one silo in Kansas. Um, I'll say the name and I'm probably going to butcher it, so I'll spell it. Um, Between uh, Vice documentary and Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia and then one of the victims of the place, she also published like two books about her experience and um, was interviewed by Hamilton on his show. Um, yeah, I want to educate people on psychedelics, but I I also don't want to be the person that's also like, don't bring up bad stuff because then it discredits it being medicine and all that stuff. (laughs) But, um, this story needs to be talked about. And, um, with me showcasing stuff in Kansas, um, I have to talk about this. So I'm not going to tell the whole story. It's definitely going to be a plant your seed. Um, go check it out on your own. But because I love you guys, I'll always put the links down below so you can go immediately to what I'm about to provoke your tree branch into. So right now I'm going to read off. Oh, no, I'm not going to read off. Um, I'm going to do my audio clip really quick. And this mm. is the beginning of Hamilton's Pharmacopia. I think it's called... Where is it? Mm, Yeah, so it's called Season 1, Episode 4. If you're going to go find it on YouTube, it's called Underground LSD Palace that you can hit. But if it's on Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia that I believe you can find on Hulu, um, it's called Getting High on Crystal. So they called it Crystal, even though we're talking about LSD, because Crystal Cole is the girl who actually fell in love with one of these 
gentlemen who manufacture all this LSD. So really quick, enjoy this clip, and then I'm going to read you some fun stuff, guys. Dearest Crystal, I cannot express the excitement within me when I think that shortly we will meet face to face. Over the years, I've read your books and watched your videos, perused court documents, police records, and affidavits, yet I still feel confused about what happened between you, Todd, and the LSD laboratory so many years ago. I hope that when we are together, I will finally understand what transpired, and the truth will shine brightly as a crystal in the Kansas sky. Much love. Hamilton. Crystal Cole is one of the most unlikely figures in the psychedelic community. A goth stripper from Kansas whose introduction to the psychedelic underground came in February of 2000 when she fell deeply in love with a mysterious man named Todd who was the heir to a spring manufacturing fortune. She quit her job as a dancer and moved in with Todd at a decommissioned nuclear missile silo that served as his private pleasure dome of lysergic delights. Exactly what happened in that laboratory at the dawn of the new millennium is still a subject of heated debate. But it is known that Todd formed a partnership with Leonard Picard, an accomplished clandestine psychedelic chemist, and together they began to assemble what would have been the world's largest LSD lab. But before the lab could be put into full operation, it was destroyed by the DEA. After verifying that my intentions were pure, Crystal agreed to meet with me to discuss her involvement in the lab and take me on a guided tour of the subterranean LSD palace. Oh yeah, I cut that off super short too. So um, <laughs> that is the intro for Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. Um, you need to go check that out because I'm literally just planting seeds to go check this out um the story gets super super crazy but basically um i'm just gonna read this so built in 1961 this topeka area silo was part of the air force's missile defense system until it was decommissioned in 1965 so this was topeka that's like the topeka area oh okay but that's like because i haven't got to butcher the name yet oh oh okay so (laughs) calm down Calm down, because this is a whole paragraph. Okay. No one in Kansas wanted to take over such a hefty chunk of real estate, so it just sat empty until the 90s, when it was purchased by the heir of a spring fortune, Gordon Todd Skinner. His friends call him Todd. Court documents call him Gordon Todd Skinner. It says, before he became half of a Midwestern cartel, Skinner bounced around various universities while bouncing around various scams. Fake money orders, cashing checks with fraudulent ID, that sort of thing. He was briefly an FBI informant in 1984, helping to bring down cocaine trafficker Boris Olarte in Oklahoma. Nearly a decade later, he made a $40,000 down payment for the decommissioned missile base in Wamego, Kansas. The entire payment was a traveler's check. He quickly got down to business outfitting the silo with leather couches, multiple showers, and a killer sound system. Um, Before joining up with Skinner, there was a guy, his name is 
Let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. William Leonard Pickard, who, spoiler alert, ended up getting like two life sentences for like all of the stuff that they got involved in with the DEA. Um, there's actually a website still available. It's called freeleonardpickard.org. But from what I read, it said that he served 20 years of like two life sentences and he's free. Really? I, I'm pretty sure, but then I was confused why the website was still up. Um, so it just says, it. What, it's been over 10 years since Leonard was arrested for allegedly synthesizing LSD at a missile silo in Kansas. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know how up to date or if they just like left this. They were so happy he's out of jail. They're like, it doesn't matter. Just keep all the research on the website. <laughs> or maybe it accepts donations it so people still give money. said it was last updated uh, September 20th, 2017. So that's why mm. I'm like, I just, at the time when he was in jail, they did have a free him website. Um, but basically, okay, back to it. It says, before joining up with Skinner, Pickard had uh, made a life out of science. Um, he was just... One semester at Princeton, Pickard dropped out and started hanging around Greenwich Village, Greenwich. Um, <laughs> but his lack of formal education didn't matter. His um, He had a gift for chemistry, earned him a job as a research manager at the Department of Bacteriology and Immunology of University of California in Berkeley in 1971. Um, so he says after leaving his job in 1974, he got into manufacturing LSD Eventually getting busted in 1988 with 200,000 doses of the stuff, he was basically a real-life Walter White. So I bring um, Skinner up because Skinner's the California connect to, or not Skinner, but Pickard is the California connection to who Todd got hooked up with, like, when the silo thing started happening. Okay. Um, there's also, like, a full-length story on thislandpress.com that I'll put on just the fun facts part of our website because the story is not it's not a pretty story mm -hmm. right like I really wanted to come on and talk about like the healing stuff that everybody's getting into with psychedelics um, but I think that the dark side of it is is better to talk about too because even though psychedelics are being studied and known to heal PTSD depression anxiety etc the fact of the matter is for the most part well, for all part in the United States, they are illegal, even though some states have decriminalized them. They are not a legal substance. Yeah. And now that like decriminalization means that our like scientific community can do more tests and more clinical studies mm -hmm. than they've ever been able to do since it's been outlawed. Right. I remember why I brought this article up in bold letters. It says Skinner and Pickard were introduced by Jerry Garcia who is the former lead singer of Dead & Company. Well, not uh -huh. Dead & Company, Grateful Dead, the original. Yeah. Dead & Company is my man, John Mayer. <laughs> um, and I'm actually going to go see them, so I cannot wait to report back about that show. I bet we'll have some outtakes on our seasons. Uh, sound bites, sound yeah, clips. Yeah. I was like, outtakes means we took them out. Oh, well, I, I just mean like we're going to hear them. Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, absolutely. Okay. I hope I remember the show. <laughs> just kidding. I'm going to be a good girl. Be like, John, look, I wear stickers. That glow. So you can and have see little me. teddy bears. 
Well, uh, they're butterflies. Oh, are they butterflies? Yeah, they're uh, tie-dye butterflies that um, when the lights hit them, they, I look like a neon goddess. So am I Mandela affecting right now, or did they at one point be, were they teddy bears for the Grateful Dead? No. They were never teddy bears. They were never teddy bears. Back to LSD, though. So it says, while Skinner and Pickard were initially producing drugs on their own, they found each other much in the same way any two legendary players in a given field are bound to cross paths eventually. In fact, the two were supposedly introduced by Jerry Garcia at the guitarist's home in Northern California around 1998. They became fast friends, joined forces, and soon began raking in so much cash that they had to concoct a semi-plausible story to explain their wealth to their acquaintances. Crystal Cole, who dated Skinner during his reign as a Kansas kingpin, told Vice, When I first met Leonard and Todd, their story was that they were eccentric investment bankers, and Todd said he had been stockpiling food and machine guns to prepare for Y2K. We met right after the millennium. Todd had everything you would need to survive the apocalypse in the silo. They explained that they carried briefcases stacked with foreign currency and $1,000 bills because they thought that the U.S. financial system was on the verge of collapse. Um, Skinner was obviously paranoid about the FBI. Don't blame you. But the crazy part is um, I want to plug the Vice documentary because they're little tagline says um the acid king convicted of running the biggest lsd ring in history and it says they were accused of manufacturing enough acid for 400 million trips wow um again i don't want to give too many details away but it does have some gnarly twist of um basically just not some good stuff like i mean really i encourage you to go look at this yourself um Mainly because, how do I want to word this? So, again, psychedelics, I think, have uh, a part to help with, like, mental health and all that fun stuff. But um, it's easy how, like, these people with these, like, really great ideas that really could be good for humanity are um, just literally rotten right out the gate. I mean, um, I bring up that intro from Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia because Crystal Cole actually wrote two books, um, Lysergic. And then, um, the second one is called, uh, after the trip thoughts on entheogens, spirituality and daily life. And then for anybody that's like, what's an entheogen? Fucking got you, dude. Uh, it's a psychoactive substance used for the purpose of inducing a mystical or spiritual experience. So the documentary is going to go into the Hamilton's Pharmacopia is going to go into an interview with her. She's going to go through her books, her experience, like what happened because there was underage dosing. There was Todd Skinner's involved with like kidnapping charges and money laundering, like all this crazy shit. The fact that I brought this up on our podcast today is because I couldn't believe that 400 million trips of acid were manufactured in this luxurious hot tub filled um, crazy sound system holding decommissioned Air Force missile silo in the middle <laughs> of Kansas. Um, and I'm, I don't know if you can go see it and I'm certainly not going to go recommend it. Um, but it's just, it just weirdly blows my mind. I still haven't even got through the whole documentary. Um, just because again, I really like to make sure I'm paying attention and don't do it. But this really is just like a story out there that is the dark side of psychedelics mm -hmm. and you know we have these people with these 
you know, hey, let's go. Like they take acid and they have a spiritual experience, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean if you recommend acid to somebody, you're not just going to completely fuck their fucking life up. Right. So that's why I was like, I don't recommend any of this shit to anybody ever. I think you should do your own research and what you're called to, you should go to, but make sure, you know, it's not, it's not a situation like this. Um, Because it says, for the roles in the manufacturing of what the DEA claims to be around 90% of all the LSD sold in the late 90s and early 2000s, Pickard and Epperson got the book thrown at them. Following an 11-week trial, Pickard received two life sentences while Epperson was given two concurrent 30-year terms for acting as an employee of Skinner and Pickard. Which this is, um, it says... This 1990s LSD lab built inside an underground missile silo gave us the world's acid. And they go through, like, the origin story of how these people knew each other, how they got together, like, the business all behind it. And then it's just really weird how, um, like, Skinner walked away from the trial thanks to his services as a big old snitch. But in 2004, he was arrested for kidnapping, torturing, and forcibly dosing his former girlfriend, Crystal Cole, with different psychedelics. Cole later claimed that on top of his crimes against her, Skinner had kidnapped and attempted to kill an associate of theirs by injecting him with various chemicals. In 2006, he was found guilty and received life in prison, plus 90 years. Today, what's left of the silo is used as storage for military vehicles and a collection of World War II-era Soviet tanks. Any trace of illicit substances have been wiped from the concrete, and the LSD kings of Kansas are a distant memory. Crazy. That's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And again, like, I really wanted to talk about the advancements in psychedelic culture. Um, but if I am going to talk about, you know, the church killing a bunch of people to get their narrative through, I'm going to talk about um, you taking humble responsibility in what you do in your trips and how you really affect the world because this is to a, talk about the dark side this of is drugs. a stain on psychedelics this is mm-hmm. one man who thought that he had this knowledge as power and he chose to misuse it he chose to really hurt other people um really really fucking bad so that's my that's my psychedelic story today. I definitely plan on doing another episode where we talk about the advancements <laughs> and how it's helping humanity. But again, I would just really think it's important to bring this stuff up and anything in Kansas I want to educate y'all about because y'all think it's like what the Wizard of Oz and there's nothing here. It's it a looks bunch of like flat wheat fields. It's, it's a bunch of flat wheat fields. Well, the dust bowl still goes on. <laughs> no, I mean, they are wrong because you can just Google Wichita, Kansas right now and we're a motherfucking metropolis. Right. Yeah, I'm not in a small town with 200 people going, which if you are, good for you. No problem. The fact that most of my life, like leaving Illinois, I'm like, yeah, I'm from Illinois. And people are like, oh, Chicago? Sure, great. Chicago is all of <laughs> Illinois. That's exactly where I'm from. Um, so then going, leaving Kansas and traveling anywhere, they're like, oh, the Wizard of Oz and tornadoes. I'm like, no, that's not that's not what we have here. Have you seen Monument Rocks in western Kansas? No. What is it? Uh, it's like a big rock formation, like that you would find in like Arizona. Okay, they're not as big as the one in Arizona, but like it's um it's like large chalk rocks and like people actually go to visit there. Like they come to Kansas to visit them. 
but they're they're beautiful. I'm going to show people a lot of stuff about, I mean, not only Wichita, Kansas, but Kansas in general, because I have found so many amazing, just like hidden nature secrets. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's, okay, so there's this really cool um, underground city in Ellenwood, Kansas that I went to visit. And like, it's like a brothel and everything underground. It's really cool. That's cool. Yeah. There, there's some cool stuff here. There's man. a lot of cool stuff, and it's connected to a lot of cool stuff too. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can go to Hot Springs, and mm-hmm. we're like eight hours from places in Colorado that I really like to visit. <laughs> yeah, you know, like uh, uh, for like my concert schedule, um, I do a lot of shows out of Kansas City. There's Tulsa, there's OKC, um, like they're just all like right here. Yeah, and we have an airport here, which is like really freaking great for someone who didn't grow up near an airport and if you wanted to <laughs> fly anywhere you had to drive two and a half hours yeah so uh, i guess that just shows you where i'm from and the gratitude i have of you know living in a big city and having all of this stuff mm-hmm. um but that's my wrap up for today uh i wish that i had more on this topic but like i said it's kind of as a dark side but if you want to know more about the story um vice documentary hamilton's pharmacopoeia and crystal cole herself writes two books so um, if you're interested in that crazy fucking story, like the links will be v- below for you. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to know more about any of the stuff that Desiree talked about, I mean, yeah, enjoy your rabbit holes, guys. Like, I really hope that you get something <laughs> positive out of whatever we're doing. I mean, if you don't, I really hope you like the music that I play at least. <laughs> right. Um, so today I have some more concert footage from the Incubus show at the Criterion in OKC. Uh, this is a small clip from their song Glitter Bomb. I hope you like it. And if you haven't heard the song, go check it out. Mm-hmm.